Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey, well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to episode three of the Addicted Mind podcast. Okay, I've got a very special guest for you guys today, Dr. Debbie Coyman. Now, Dr. Debbie and I go back uh, quite a long way. Actually, I knew her when I was still an intern and pretty green in this field. And she had been uh, licensed for, I think, uh, maybe about a year at that time. But she, as I was learning the ropes of of therapy, she was one of my go-to people to consult with when I had difficult cases. And she's also the therapist who introduced me to dialectical behavior therapy, which I use consistently in my practice now. And I've really enjoyed it. I took one of her groups, and um, it really was a profoundly insightful for me about uh, emotion and emotion regulation and mindfulness, and really changed the course of how I look at therapy. So I owe her quite a bit. So I asked her to be on the podcast today so we could talk a little bit about dialectical behavior therapy and how she uses it with clients who are struggling with overwhelming emotions and how she helps them learn to regulate that and lead fulfilling lives. So I think it's going to be really insightful and helpful, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Debbie, you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dwayne, for having me today. You're welcome. I love Dwayne. We've worked together for a long time. We started when he was an intern and when I was... That's right. I just graduated. I was doing my postdoc and I've loved working with Dwayne. So I'm super, super excited to be here. Thank you. And to do this with you. So as Dwayne said, my name is Dr. Debbie Coyman of liveyourlifefully.com. I have been practicing therapy for almost 20 years now, which sounds so crazy, but I've been doing therapy for almost 20 years. I've been in practice for just over 10 years. I have a private practice in Huntington Beach. I work with 
just adults. I do mainly individual therapy and I work with all sorts of issues, depression, anxiety, addiction, of course, self-esteem issues, relationship issues, grief, and my specialty is actually in working with adults who are abused as children. So most of my clients, even if they don't come to me with abuse issues, have some form of physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse in their past. And part of why I love DBT is it's a great resource and tool, not only for addiction, but for people who have issues with abuse in their history as well. So it's been a great tool for myself. It's been a great tool for my clients. And And since you introduced me to it, yeah, I don't know how many years ago, I've been using it forever. You know, I've always like really loved it as a resource for clients. It's Mm -hmm. easy for them to understand. And you see it a lot now. I mean, it's become a lot more popular. You see it a lot at different treatment centers. They Mm -hmm. talk about using DBT. There's some even agencies that just specialize in using this type of therapy. So Mm -hmm. let's kind of talk a little bit about what What is DBT or dialectical behavior therapy and You know, everybody hears that all around, and so let's kind of define it a little bit. Absolutely. So if you search DBT or dialectical behavior therapy, probably what you will find is its connection to borderline personality disorder. Right. And I think it's important for people to know just because we use DBT doesn't mean our clients automatically have borderline personality disorder. But it was originally developed for people with borderline personality disorder, particular that were in hospitals. And the big part of the therapy is to help people regulate their emotions. Because with that disorder, that's one of their difficulties is regulating their emotions. Right. And since it was developed, it has now been applied to many more situations, many more disorders, to children, to adolescents, to adults. The training we did was specifically for depression and anxiety in the private practice setting. Right. So it has and this was slightly developed- different... Yeah, this was developed by like Marcia Linehan, Marcia Linehan. Mm-hmm. and you know, borderline personality. When people are struggling with that, they have very intense mm-hmm. ups and downs and mood swings, which causes them to behave in ways that are very destructive. Mm-hmm. And my understanding—you can correct me if I'm wrong—but my understanding is that it showed a lot of promise in that population. Absolutely, when and, many other treatments right did not. when many other treatments yeah didn't. And so people started to go, wow, this is working. Mm -hmm. Let's see if we can apply it in other places. And it has a lot of evidence behind it, too, I believe. A lot of research Mm -hmm. that supports that this is actually a therapy that Mm -hmm. really does help people when they apply it and when they Mm -hmm. work on it. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, dialectical that everybody hears that. And when I say, you know, I would like you to attend our dialectical behavior therapy, people look at dialectical. What in the world is that? So let's talk a little bit of what that means. Absolutely. So I don't know what the actual definition of the word is for this context, but the way that we apply it and the way that I think about it when I'm using the therapy is it's basically when we have opposing needs where on the one hand, we may need connection let's say. And on the other hand, we also need aloneness. And sometimes those needs compete with one another. And part of the purpose in the therapy is to help people be able to move kind of freely between those two. When I need connection, I can be closer to needing connection. When I need alone time, I can go and have my alone time. But what happens with people who have emotional struggles is they tend to get stuck. And so... 
I have, you know, some sort of issues going on. I have a really hard time maybe connecting with people. So I tend to be stuck maybe over on the aloneness side and I can't freely move back and forth between the aloneness and the connection. Or people may really be desperate for a connection and then they're constantly stuck over on that side. And when they need like some time and some space for themselves, they have a hard time moving over to the so other side. It's really about that. Those when I always kind of look at it, like it's those dialectics are those competing needs that happen in the moment. Absolutely. One example that comes to mind that I use a lot to describe it, too, is like the person who is socially anxious. You know, mm-hmm. they want to go out and meet people, but if they go out, they feel anxious. Absolutely. If, so then they stay home, and if they stay home, they feel lonely, and they can't do both, yeah. right? They have to choose, and choose dialectal yeah. behavior therapy helps them navigate yes. those two extremes and find a balance or Absolutely. move from one side for a while and to the yes. other side, but really navigate that. I think that's Absolutely. one of the things I love about dialectical behavior therapy. So that's the dialectic part. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the behavior part. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Absolutely. So one of the reasons DBT is, I think, been so successful and part of why a lot of therapists, including ourselves, like it, is there are specific tools. People often come into therapy. They're struggling. Like, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And DBT has things to do. There's different components of that, but the behavior part is there are actual physical things that we can do. Mindfulness exercises are one. There's tons of worksheets that help people better understand their emotions, how to regulate their emotions, better understand themselves. I find that gives a lot of clients when, you know, clients are coming, especially dealing with addiction, when clients are coming in and they're living in this chaos and they're kind of moving to all these extremes to have some concrete things Mm -hmm. they can start to do really gives them a sense of hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it gives them something to do when we're asking them to do hard stuff because part of addiction and healing from addiction is not using your addiction learning how to use other tools and when you're first even when you're later in in recovery certainly but when you're first starting and you don't know what to do besides your addiction this gives you a whole set of very concrete things that you can do to help deal with your emotions when what you really want to do is go and addict but you don't because you're trying to get healthier. This, this gives people very concrete tools to help like with you that. Were, like you were saying earlier, you know, most underneath that addiction is all of that trauma, yeah. the depression or the abuse that they suffered. So when they're not in the addiction or addicting, as I say, and they're over on the other side, they're usually all that stuff is present and mm-hmm. they don't know how to regulate that. Exactly. And this starts to give them the tools to do that. When you introduced me to DBT, it just kind of really fit mm-hmm. a way to conceptualize the experience. I don't know if you talk about this too. One of the things I also love about DBT compared to like some other, you know, cognitive therapies mm-hmm. is that it's a very 
emotionally validating modality. And what I mean by that is like, it says, this is your experience. It's okay to have your experience. It Mm -hmm. is what it is. And Mm -hmm. I really, that's one of the things I really, really like about it. It seems very accepting. I don't know if that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is all about your emotions and helping you understand your emotions aren't crazy. They're not bad. They're not wrong, which I think is part of what happens. And I think, unfortunately, this is something that's going on in our entire society right now is there's these messages that it's not okay to feel all sorts of emotions. And so people don't think it's okay for me to be sad. It's okay for me to be scared. It's okay for me to be angry. And yeah, part of what DBT teaches us is, yeah, it is. It's okay to feel all those feelings. And not only okay, it's normal. Like as a normal human being, these are our normal experiences. And DBT helps us to understand that and also to be able to tease apart when we're having just normal feelings and when we're kind of maybe creating some extra feelings or not dealing with our main emotions, which DBT calls primary emotions. And then we go into secondary emotions, which spin in circles and get us overwhelmed. And a lot of times, actually, that's the problem. Like people's primary emotions, because as human beings, we're designed to deal with our primary emotions. Like even though you may not feel it all the time, I promise you, you're body is designed to deal with all of your primary emotions. When we get in trouble is when we invalidate our primary emotions. And then we create what DBT calls secondary emotions. And because these aren't the real, we'll call it emotions, our body just gets stuck. We get stuck in them. We spin in circles. So if you've ever had a time when you've been spinning in circles, it's because you're in secondary emotions. Right. That's a good sign that you're kind of having feelings about feelings or feelings mm-hmm. about thoughts and judgments that you're making about your own experience. Yeah. And then you're stuck there. Yeah. And you get clients who get stuck in that. And that's where that rumination okay. comes in. Mm-hmm. And eventually if you're stuck there, you want relief. Mm-hmm. That's definitely where, well, I can turn to alcohol. I can turn Absolutely. to drugs. I can turn to sex. I can turn to gambling. I can turn to shopping, food, work. whatever it is, work, relationships. relationships to get me out of that mm-hmm. cycle. And DBT really has a way of like, helping a person start to recognize their dialectics, Mm -hmm. recognize Mm -hmm. their dilemmas, recognize their secondary feelings and start to resolve them and deal with them. And then hopefully eventually kind of actually just deal with the primary emotions Mm -hmm. that once you deal with that, they actually resolve themselves quite a bit easier. It doesn't mean they're not painful. It doesn't mean they don't hurt. It doesn't mean, (laughs) but they don't overwhelm us. And I know for me personally, it really helps me to, you know, when I find myself in those states of like where an emotion just won't or a thought or something just won't leave me alone, it's usually I can go, okay, this is a sign. Something else is going on here. And I can start to like frame it in in those dialectics or even pull out those worksheets and use them. Mm -hmm. Because when we're in our emotional mind, a lot of times we're not thinking very clearly. That's when we make bad decisions, when we're not listening to our whole uh, wise mind, as they say in DBT, you know, we make the bad decisions. Exactly. We can get impulsive and yeah, we don't usually make good decisions in that, that state. Right. So when you're working with clients or how do you introduce them to these concepts and how do you start to help them? Sure. Probably the first concept I tend to introduce people to is this idea of primary versus secondary emotions. 
Okay. Um, so I take a pause from kind of whatever we're talking about and will tell people, like, this is what primary emotions are. This is what secondary emotions are. And explain that to them first so they even know. Because I'm not sure that anybody I've ever had sitting in front of me has actually ever even heard those distinctions and didn't even know that there's these different kinds of emotions. So a lot of times just explaining what primary and secondary emotions are automatically starts to make a light bulb go off where people can be like, oh, oh, there's these different processes going on. And again, a lot of people think they're crazy or they feel crazy, especially when you're in the secondary emotions. And kind of by definition, what happens in secondary emotions is you just spin in circles or the emotion just keeps escalating, 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 and you feel crazy. And so to hear like a label put on this and for people to know like, no, you're not crazy. This is just what happens with our emotions. That in itself can provide some relief and some understanding and actually really understanding and being able to tease apart the primary secondary emotions. That's a little more difficult. It takes time and practice. People sometimes get frustrated with that, but they can kind of start seeing like, oh, I can see how this kind of went off. And I went over into this space where it just it, wasn't getting, it's... I wasn't getting anywhere. It almost seems like it gives them permission to start exploring their emotions and take some of that judgment away from it. Because I see a lot of clients when they come in and they have some difficult emotions, usually it's because they're actually judging some other emotion mm-hmm. or some other thought or so some clear. other process that's going on Absolutely. and they're spinning there. And this gives them some permission to kind of take a step back and look a little bit uh, I guess a little bit easier at their emotions. Yeah. It's not so quite so triggering and it gives them some room to Absolutely. be able to do this. And I, I know mean, another big component kind of talking about that part of it is the mindfulness component of yes. dialectal behavior therapy. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. This is probably my favorite part of DVT is the mindfulness. And what mindfulness is essentially is being able to pay attention in this very moment without judgment. So just noticing what's here without judgment, because as you were just talking about, the judgment tends to be what creates those secondary emotions very quickly. And so mindfulness is really about training us and training our minds to just watch, just observe what's happening. And part of what it does is it helps us disconnect a little bit also from the physical sensations in our body, the thoughts that are running around in our minds, because sometimes we get so caught up in them that we think they're us. I'm having a thought, it's me. I'm having this thing in my body, it's me. And it's not. Our thoughts, our emotions are parts of us, but they're just parts. And there are other parts of us that are often wiser than our thoughts, wiser than our emotions. So the mindfulness piece really helps us practice that and helps us learn how to be able to stand back from ourselves, so to speak, and just watch and say, oh, oh, there was a thought. And oh, when I have that thought, it causes this thing in my body. And then, oh, when I have that thing in my body, I want to go addict, let's say. And to be able to just observe what's happening rather than be in it and then think, oh, it's me and I have to, it gives people a lot of power as well. And 
part of the struggle with people too is they're so caught up in what's going on they don't really even understand what's going on and if you don't understand a problem you can't really find a good solution to it so one of the big parts of mindfulness also is being able to step outside watch see yourself more clearly and then as you learn about yourself and you can see yourself more clearly you can also start to better understand what's happening and then how to problem solve in a much more effective way. Yeah. And the research that just supports mindfulness is so yeah. strong now. I mean, it's, yeah. it's almost like you're seeing mindfulness everywhere. It's mm-hmm. like a, a, mm-hmm. you're seeing it all over the place. But I think that's because it works. Yeah, absolutely. And the research backs that up as well. Absolutely. And so what I also tell people is mindfulness is something that you can learn, that you mm-hmm. can practice. Mm-hmm. It's a skill mm-hmm. that you can develop. Absolutely. And so that gives a lot of hope to people mm-hmm. too. Because I mean, mm-hmm. I know in my own life, sometimes when there's a lot of difficult emotion, it's very, very hard to be oh. mindful. You know, it's like it you just want to react to that emotion and Absolutely. either get rid of it or respond to it. You know, I wouldn't say respond, react yeah. to it mm-hmm. impulsively to try and shift it or change it mm-hmm. and when you can be mindful you start to just be able to like just watch it and, mm-hmm. and be okay with just watching it exactly. but it's a skill set that i've found for me over time that i've had to develop it, it, it took time practice. to get there yeah. and not that i'm any uh, any guru or the dalai lama or anything but you know yeah, it definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's definitely helped absolutely it definitely helped and with the research Part of the research is actually showing that we can change our brains this way. Because, you know, when I was younger, we were taught, like, past a certain age, your, your brain is no longer plastic. It no longer can change. And we now know that that's not true. And that through mindfulness, we actually can change the way our brain operates, which, right. again, provides a lot of hope to people that think, like, well, this is just how I am. So kind of a little bit like in closing, you know, I mean... Yeah. If we kind of wrap this up, DBT, at least, you know, I feel, I think you feel, mm-hmm. is if someone's struggling with either overwhelming emotions or addictions or depression, yeah. that DBT is a good choice of a kind of therapy that can Absolutely. be helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the purpose of DBT is to help people better understand their emotions and cope with them in a more effective way. And again, right. like we talked about earlier, Part of the benefit is there's very concrete tools that you can use. So I know my clients get frustrated with me sometimes because I'll say, sit with your emotions. They're like, what the heck does sit with my emotions mean? Like, how do you do that? And I still do ask my clients to sit with their emotions, but the DBT also gives some more concrete tools. And it's all about helping people deal with their emotions better. And the essence of addiction is people have emotions, experiences that they're trying to run away from, avoid, you know, shove away. And how our emotions work is you can't just shove them away and they'll go away. They go into your body and then they stay there until you deal with them, which is part of why addiction doesn't work. Right. But the DBT helps you actually look at those emotions and deal with them in better ways, effective ways, so that you can actually get the emotions out of your body and move forward and it's it's really an amazing amazing therapy and an amazing tool and you know i can say we can witness that because i've had the pleasure of working with debbie and running some dbt workshops and groups and being able to actually see 
people at the end of that wow. process. And we've had the privilege to do that and actually watch people actually really change their life yeah, and absolutely. become the driver of their life absolutely. instead of the other way where the emotions are the driver, they actually start exactly. to decide how they want their life to be. Exactly. And it's pretty amazing that when a person crosses, you know, from being kind of out of control to mm-hmm. deciding how they want their life to be absolutely. and making those conscious decisions. It's pretty absolutely. amazing. And we've been able to witness that. Yeah. So in our own lives as well. And in our because own lives as well. Both of us have yeah. used DBT and you know we've had our own struggles and it's helped us. So we're not just preaching something that yes. we don't practice ourselves. It's something that's helped, you know, save us through difficult times and difficult emotions as well. well without a doubt. I'm always thankful that you introduced me to it. So thank you. Thank you very I am, much. I'm grateful too that I found that book in the bookstore. <laughs> I know. It's kind of, it's, it's crazy. So how can people find you if, if they want to know information about you or want to know more about you? How can they find you? Absolutely. Probably the quickest, easiest way is my website, which is www.liveyourlifefully.com. All my contact information is on there. I also have a YouTube channel. That's my name, Dr. Debbie Coyman. And if you want to learn more about some of the concepts we've talked about, I have videos on primary and secondary emotions where I explain them in more detail, give an example, talk about some things that create secondary emotions. So you're certainly welcome to check out those videos as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm going to put all this information also into our show notes. So you guys can go to theaddictedmind.com and there'll be links to all this information. And I definitely encourage you guys to check out Dr. Coyman's site. I think you get a lot of value out of that and definitely her YouTube channel as well. So, and it'll all be there. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. And till next time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. Please support us by going to iTunes and leaving us a review. Every little bit helps. Also, if you'd like to support us directly, you can go to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the addicted mind. There you can support us directly and help offset the cost of producing this podcast and help us get this information to everybody who needs it. So take care, have a wonderful day, and I'll see you next week. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.